Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Facebook Live. It's our town hall again tonight. We're really excited to have everyone uh, coming into the room. We've got about 37 on Facebook right now and a few uh, in, the, um, in, in the Zoom room as well. I just want to iterate that uh, you're welcome to join us uh, in the Zoom room if you'd like to ask your questions directly tonight. Uh, or you can stay in Facebook Live and type them in the comments section and we'll be getting to them. Uh, Dr. O is in the house. Dr. O, you want to join us? Hi. Hi. Good evening. How are you? <laughs> so Dr. O is with us today uh, in the school and actually observing our processes today and uh, standing by our side as the partner he has demonstrated he is uh, uh, representing Epixpert. Uh, we really uh, had a wonderful day-to-day -day kind of watching and making sure we ran through all of our processes really well. And I just want to say to everybody, I know this is challenging. I, I know that we've hit this bump in the road. Uh, we can maybe loosely refer to it as a little bit of a speed bump. Um, but the processes are actually beginning to work and in the way we had hoped and intended. Um, I, I, I don't think, I think the jury's still out. I wrote that in e-notes tonight that I don't know that we have all the data yet, uh, but we caught these cases fairly quickly. And, uh, and everything that is part of our plan or process is getting incrementally validated through the follow-up testing results. But Dr. O, why don't we start with you and just say, what was your observations today and what's your take on current status and, and where we're at? and what you see kind of looking forward? Well, first of all, uh, I think it's it's actually, uh, I wouldn't call it a speed bump. I would call it a, a, a kind of a, a speed uh, highway, you know, because we have actually uh, very quickly uh, gone into uh, the mode that probably will be a frequent happening as we move along the school year and we move into flu season. And we had, you know, this week we were challenged by a lot of different things, not just the positive COVID cases, but a lot of symptomatic kids, a lot of uh, siblings of symptomatic kids. And we have, I think we have really tightened a lot of the protocol so that once these cases are not, uh, you know, one or two per day, but more like a hundred per day, uh, then we will know what to do. And I think, uh, uh, again, I'm, I'm, uh, on one hand, I was really uh, uh, anxious, you know, uh, on Monday. Uh, now I am actually uh, relieved because uh, if, if that happened uh, in October, uh, I think it would have been uh, a, much, uh, a much stronger uh, hit and, um, uh, and it, it, it would have tested us uh, much harder than, uh, than this one. And now I think we know. This, and, is, this one is kind of a tough nut to crack from a symptomology point of view. I mean, we've been really kind of wringing our hands over this because there are so many of these symptoms that are also crossover to these exactly. other kinds of things. Yes. Many of these kids recovered from their symptoms and, 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 and it, it wasn't COVID because we definitely have the results to demonstrate that. So where do we draw this line? I mean, I know we're going to tighten and we're going to, we're going to clamp down on this, but it means probably a bit more rolling absence, as you mentioned, flu season and some of the other things that will emerge. Yes. Um, this is the challenge that's in front of us. Yes. Yes. And so uh, before I uh, discuss a bit the COVID cases, uh, yes. I, 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 I do want to stress a couple of things on the symptoms. So 
the symptoms that are in the uh, app, uh, so fever, cough, uh, new cough or worsening cough, uh, sore throat, loss of sense or of smell or taste, uh, diarrhea or vomiting, muscle aches, chills, uh, <laughs> weakness, uh, shortness of breath. So these are the warning signs, okay? And uh, for these ones, we have to be extremely careful, uh, both for the uh, affected uh, person and for the sibling and for the parents, by the way. Uh, in, the, uh, in the three cases that we had uh, diagnosed in the last uh, three days, mm -hmm. We had two which were symptomatic and one which was asymptomatic, okay? The asymptomatic uh, <clears throat> was diagnosed uh, in a pool setting. So it's, it's, again, it's a good testament to the protocol that we have that we are actually able to catch asymptomatics. This was the whole point, you know, the screening of asymptomatics. And, uh, and here we put, uh, we put a lot of science behind what we were doing. And, uh, and obviously the science uh, works in a real world setting, which is very good, which is, you know, which is comforting and, it's, uh, and it reinforces that the protocol that we have uh, is a solid one. Uh, on the uh, other hand, this, the symptoms are a key observation. And as much as we can catch the asymptomatics, whenever somebody has symptoms, we will have to assume that this is COVID related, okay, from now on. And we will be uh, quite vigilant uh, of the symptoms and you guys should be quite vigilant of the symptoms. Um, and the protocol that uh, John has shared with you will be in effect uh, basically as of uh, now or as of uh, Monday. Uh, so, anyone who has these symptoms would be excluded from school uh, for three days since the day that symptoms recede, okay? And symptoms recede means fever without meds. And- So fever is gone, no meds. Fever is gone, no meds. And then the other symptoms are, uh, are gone. So no cough, no sore throat, et cetera. Um, and it will be the same for siblings, okay? Because again, in, in this one particular case, we had one symptomatic and the sibling was an asymptomatic uh, person. So, mm -hmm. so we have to be very, very vigilant and we will be excluding those kids. Now, runny nose will not be part of these. So as you, as you remember me saying, runny nose was not part of the things. And please observe because runny nose is a rare uh, symptom. I don't think it actually exists. I don't think it ever exists in COVID. Uh, the characteristic is cough. Uh, so bear in mind how the symptoms start, because very often we start with runny nose, uh, which then converts into uh, cough, okay, which is a consequence of the runny nose. These cases I'm, I will not be so worried about, unless obviously suddenly fever appears, then I would be worried about. So fever would always supersede any other symptoms. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it's a runny nose, which uh, goes into uh, this uh, uh, kind of effective cough, you know, that you're actually coughing out some mucus, uh, this, is, this is quite fine. The, the typical symptom of COVID uh, is uh, dry cough, 
okay mm -hmm. so this uh, this uh, non-productive cough as we as we uh, call it so uh, uh, so here we have to be vigilant and, and you have to be vigilant and again it's uh, uh, and we will be the protocol is that after three days of from the recession of symptoms uh, the, the kids would get tested and then uh, readmitted to school upon a negative test. Yeah. Okay, why the three days? Because the three days uh, are usually the time that uh, the virus may still re-emerge, for example, or may still be high and persons are infectious. Uh, so rather than uh, having them spread the virus, even though we would be doing drive-through, there is still risk. Uh, we would have these three days of lag uh, after a session of symptoms, then we would do the test. If the test is still positive, then we would uh, obviously have another lag of three days and then we would retest after three days uh, uh, following that. And, and just to be clear, the reason we talked about family was your description today of close contact and really yeah. describing yeah. what close contact means. So the close contact is not really what we're doing at school. And in fact, we're reducing close contact, masks and distancing and, and protocols. I know it may not seem like it at times, but we really are adhering to those practices generally, except for briefest of moments. But you had like criteria that you articulated that described close contact. Can you remind us of what close contact means? Because that's also important for another question on the survey. <laughs> So close contact, as defined by uh, CDC, WHO, and, uh, uh, and the Polish uh, Ministry of Health, is a 15-minute conversation with someone uh, uh, standing less than a meter and a half from that person, okay? Mm -hmm. the, the meter and a half is conservative because, uh, according to research, uh, one meter is the, is the benchmark, so you could be up to a meter, but I think everybody kind of a saying a meter and a half, even two meters. But I, I would say, since research shows one meter, uh, I would say one and a half meters, so kind of six feet uh, or so apart. Uh, 15 minutes direct, no mask, okay? That's close contact. Right. Now, obviously, if it's uh, five minutes hugging, that would also qualify as close contact, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, but but this is kind of the, the 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 unit of close contact, if you will, is a fifteen minute conversation uh, with someone standing uh, one and a half meters from you without any protection. So at school today, I mean, to be honest, I have not seen anybody without a mask. Right. I spent most of uh, of the of the better part of the of the first half of the day at school. And uh, I have not seen anybody without a mask other than kids playing outside, which is yeah. fine. And we always said that outside is a safe environment and it's, uh, it's fine to play outside. But otherwise, uh, you know, everybody was, uh, was really uh, compliant. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very nice to see. And, uh, and th that's the way to go huh? because the, the mask is really protecting us. Because again, if two people are even talking to each other for 15 minutes and each of them is wearing a mask, even a surgical mask, this will reduce the emission of the virus from each of us by 95%. Right. So instead of, for example, having, you know, 1,000 uh, viral particles per 10 minute of conversation, which is a typical mm -hmm. uh, emission rate of uh, someone who is infectious, uh, you would get to 50 particles yeah. from each person. So suddenly, from potential risk, uh, you're basically eliminating the risk, even though it's only 95%, right? Uh, so, 
So I think it again it makes sense, and as uh, as the last three days have shown, um, uh, things can uh, things can happen, you know, and we can have uh, uh, there is always a risk of having someone uh, enter the campus uh, with uh, with uh, the infection. So this protect element of our three. Uh, three-layer uh, defense system uh, is an important one, and, and uh, as I saw today, and I was very pleased uh, to see that everybody is really compliant on that. Excellent. Um, there's one early question here about Epixpert helping with testing other family members, and we've only reserved that at this point when we actually identify cases. I know in the future we're talking about getting our parent program up and running. I think we're still of a mind we want to wait until we implement anything beyond what we're focused on with students and and pot and really we need to refer families and, and members to their healthcare providers to really seek that advice. And there are drive throughs and opportunities that you can use uh, in the neighborhood. But we're thinking what, still another two to three weeks before we get some. I, I, I would like to obviously offer it as quickly as possible, knowing that the even the drive-throughs uh, are becoming crowded these days and uh, obviously the public system is completely ineffective these days and when uh, we are seeing you know sanepid reacting after three four days of receiving information of uh, somebody having confirmed covid by pcr uh, so there's really uh, you know and it's only august uh, so mm -hmm. uh, so by the time we enter september i think it's going to be much worse so so we, we are really working extremely uh, hard uh, to bring in this functionality uh, so that uh, all other family members can actually subscribe to the same approach or at least have the possibility to, uh, to purchase these uh, reactive testing in case we have an infection. So that so they can expand that opportunity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Nikos is asking the question that we've been talking about a lot, which is, um, how effective can the cohorts be when they're numerous cross cohort siblings? And yeah. we did not take out all the siblings of yeah. the groups that we focused on in terms of both our out time and our retesting, but it, maybe it would be helpful if you talked us through that a little bit. Uh, yeah, so the, uh... Uh, this, uh, you know, we, we kind of look at this in, uh, in uh, two categories or three categories even. So there's this primary transmission, okay? So it's between an infected person and another person. Right. And uh, we had uh, uh, confirmed uh, primary transmission uh, within this one uh, family, so between the siblings, and we had a presumed primary transmission because we had two uh, middle school individuals from the same grade level. Uh, so we presumed there could have been transmission between them. So this was a signal that primary transmission was happening. And primary transmission is obviously uh, the, uh, you know, 99.999% of transmission is primary transmission. There is very limited secondary transmission. So, uh, so that's why uh, we are not taking out anybody else beyond the cohort, because again, the, when, there's a, when there's primary transmission means community transmission, as we call it in the kind of outside world, but I would rather call it primary transmission for, these, uh, for the purposes of, uh, of the school, uh, then <clears throat> the prudent thing is to take out the closest cohort. Since middle school is, 
there's a lot of mixing and, uh, and they don't stay in the same classroom and there's a lot of mixing in the languages, etc. Uh, so we decided that the prudent thing would be to uh, to go virtual for the entire middle school. Although I think, you know, with the protocol that we have, uh, we uh, the a, a bit more risky approach would have been to uh, to just take out the grade level. But I think we did the right thing in terms of protecting everybody and making sure that we are safe and really quenching this uh, potential outbreak very early. And we are bringing that was here. really by design because we are really designed the yeah. cohorts as middle school, high school, high school, and absolutely some yeah. cohorts a bit within the elementary, elementary because they have less mixing with each other. They have less mixing across the, grade. the cohorts are more grade levels. Yeah, uh, and for now we have not detected any primary transmission within elementary. Okay. So, uh, and we had tested uh, the entire uh, grade level that was affected uh, with the case, with the confirmed case today, mm -hmm. grade three, and then uh, everybody was negative. Uh, they will be retested again on Friday. Uh, just right, that's, and that's the prudent step to make sure we check them again. We check them again. Uh, and then uh, if there are no uh, positives, then obviously, uh, once we uh, retest middle school on Monday, then we return to normal operation as of Tuesday. Okay, because then by then uh, we will have uh, identified every case that this uh, outbreak could have caused. And of course, if another case comes up, then we look at the protocol again, we see where Absolutely. we react and, and we take the next step. Absolutely. But we did the, I think, uh, Again, and we did a, a, a relatively uh, robust uh, contact tracing. So any possible uh, uh, higher risk area was also excluded like the bus, for example. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this, uh, again, we also uh, took the bus uh, out for a day and then we will be uh, bringing them back and retesting them uh, as part of the regular yeah, schedule. And they, they actually retested today and of course all were negative. So all were negative, exactly. back online for tomorrow, like third grade. So we actually covered everybody today. So we get, we got all of that okay. ready for people to come back and then we'll yes. monitor that. And we monitor that uh, going forward. And again, tomorrow we will have uh, more data on Friday, we will have, uh, I would say, 99% of the data for elementary and high. Uh, and then uh, by Monday, we will have middle back and then we will have uh, middle school. Uh, and in the meantime, we're also still doing the twice weekly on high school as well, exactly. just again as a precautionary method. So they'll get Thursday, Friday, their entire group again, yes. twice this week. Yes. Um, and that'll that'll finish up the twice weekly and we'll see what the data looks like Absolutely. and see Absolutely. if we can't move ourselves back to normal. Um, Adrian's asking about uh, excluding uh, students from school for symptoms, which we just talked yeah. about. Um, symptoms gone, then 72 hours and then retest. Yeah. Um, but Adrian, you're asking about medical certificate and uh, and and I don't think we're looking for a medical certificate because we're doing our own testing. Uh, but that's certainly prudent to seek medical advice from your own doctors as needed. And I, and I think that's something else, Dr. O, that we wanted to encourage and that we're going to be reinforcing is that when symptoms occur, in addition to letting us know, people should seek medical advice. Absolutely. This is the first step always. And again, we are 
you know, we are not uh, at any stage aiming to uh, to uh, treat the diseases or help you with treatment of the disease. We're happy to provide any advice you may have uh, uh, or questions you may have. But again, your primary care physician, uh, whoever your provider is, uh, is the key person that you should contact once you see symptoms. Yeah. And obviously the prudent thing, uh, and I will be advising, and I'm advising everybody, look, get a good supply of uh, these basic, uh, you know, medications uh, now. Yeah. Uh, because again, the, uh, we don't know, uh, but the supply may be getting shorter and shorter. Yeah. Uh, we will be discussing also uh, flu vaccinations, and I, and I would be encouraging that as well. Also, as soon as possible, because remembering even last year where we didn't have COVID, uh, there was quite a shortage of, uh, of vaccines. Now with COVID and with the new reimbursement for uh, elderly and for kids, uh, I think we may be seeing shortages of vaccines this year. So, um, so uh, again, I think it's it's very prudent to start getting, uh, start thinking about the flu season. Uh, and again, always uh, you see symptoms, you are concerned, contact your primary care provider, inform the school, enter the data into the app, and then uh, you know make sure that the child is healthy. I, I announced today that we're tweaking some of the parameters on the app yeah. to make sure that it actually informs them about the 72 hours. Yes. And it also, at a certain point, will start flagging the siblings along with any, yes. any child that's tagged that way. Yeah. So that we'll make sure we keep the family connected together. Um, I also want to just reiterate, I've had at least three other medical practitioners, doctors and others in the medical field, also recommending flu vaccination this season. So I just want to reinforce for the audience that what Dr. O is saying is very much being talked about and they're all approaching me saying, you really need to encourage your community that flu vaccination this year is going to be critically important. Um, Adrian, I wanted to come back to your other question. Um, Monday, we'll be offering um, uh, ideas about what kids can do in between coming in to get tested through the drive-through program. So look for more information, but you're right with uh, virtual school and synchronous mode, there's gonna be a little bit of conflict there in finding the right time to come in. So we're gonna probably be doing more asynchronous mode on Monday in order to facilitate your ability to come in for the drive-through testing. And we're also gonna kind of stagger it a bit so that we don't have long lines. So look for directions on that. Uh, for Monday, and we'll be getting that. Um, let's see, I want to move up on the questions here. There's quite a few here. Let me see. Um, can the antigen tests that our children receive detect the virus in the incubation period? I think this is the pre-symptomatic yep. stage. Um, Dr. O, do you want to take that on? I mean, she's quoting that the time from exposure to onset of symptoms is typically around five days but may range two to 14 days. Is that generally accurate? It's generally accurate. This is the, this is the, the median is five. It's the range is two to 14. Uh, you know, the jury is still out because obviously uh, it's difficult to test any test uh, in people who are pre-symptomatic because we don't know whether they're, whether they're pre-symptomatic. So it's only real life, uh, real world data that is showing us uh, what uh, the test is able to do in real world. Mm -hmm. uh, and we are seeing now that for sure the test is able to detect asymptomatic individuals. Okay, right. we had already one asymptomatic person. Now, we don't know whether this person was a or pre-symptomatic. We will see. 
uh, and we will be monitoring and uh, it could be that in three days the person develops symptoms so then we would qualify the person as pre-symptomatic uh, if the person does not develop symptoms uh, for the next couple of weeks then we would qualify this as an asymptomatic uh, person uh, the asymptomatic looking at the uh, at these individuals uh, i think it was an early uh, very early infection okay very early infection so in the asymptomatic uh, person so uh, so i would say yeah, again jury is out uh, but uh, certainly we are catching uh, the virus uh, not just in the symptomatics as uh, you know again all tests are are tested but uh, we are catching the asymptomatic as we had uh, 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 assume based on all the scientific evidence that is out there that this asymptomatic screening uh, would be catching those uh, those individuals uh, but again I, I do want to stress that these tests um, uh, there's no test today that has been tested in uh, asymptomatic population uh, this is uh, because the, it's, it's just impossible uh, because there's no way to, to test a pre-symptomatic person or asymptomatic because we don't know whether they are asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic. We're actually going to have the first data set here in many. We will countries. have a good data set, yeah. And again, we had we have a lot of data sets from uh, from other real world settings, mm -hmm. um, uh, but this is this is the real world setting. It's a bit you know it's a bit like uh, uh, in the pharmaceutical industry. You know you have a clinical trial and you have a you know a, a, a selection of patients and you kind of select them very precisely and then you follow them precisely and then you have a hundred of them or a thousand of them and suddenly then you start selling to millions and then you see okay so there's maybe these side effects are more often less often uh, this person is taking the drug a bit more frequently this one less frequently etc so then you have this real world data and then you see okay how does this real world data compare to this uh, you know perfect world uh, so that's a bit uh, similar here, that where we have a perfect world, uh, and then we have real world data. And then, you know, again, so far, um, we are seeing that the real world data is actually quite good. And it's, uh, it's showing that the, um, the, the, the label, if you will, of the, of the test could potentially be even extended to this uh, screening of asymptomatic populations. And for our purposes, while this is not a data set and certainly not a trend and nothing that you consider to be uh, valid data, but of our th of our three cases, one of them is an asymptomatic. Yes, for sure. And yes. we did identify with our. Identify. Yes. Yeah. So that that's that's good news. Not anything definitive, but it certainly is good news for us in terms of of validating at least a portion of our approach. Yes. Um, um, there's a question about asymptomatic individuals being at school if the daily survey was filled out probably well that's exactly the definition of asymptomatic <laughs> yeah. is that it, that and that's the thing that we are trying to protect against by our practices at school is there's the very real possibility of an asymptomatic student asymptomatic means you won't have filled something out on the app and the student would be sent to school because there'd be no suspicion of an infection yes. and so that's actually why we're expanding to include siblings because we now realize that there are going to be some asymptomatic cases secondary which is less risk 
but they're going to be attached to these uh, symptomatic uh, siblings. Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. So again, we're learning from this process as we go, and then we're tying that up in a way to uh, put that together. Um, got a mom asking, is it really safe for kids to play outside even if they come to close contact with each other? What's your thoughts on outside play? Again, the jury's out in both directions. Some of it's about aerobic activity and concerns there. Um, yes, there is some degree of close contact, but it's very intermittent. It's very short term. There you are. There you are. I think, you know, I think the... Um, the, this, the time matters, you know, and uh, we have always been uh, talking about uh, this, uh, let's say, the load of virus that is actually needed to infect somebody else. So, you know, you will not get infected by one viral particle or 10 or a thousand or even 10,000. You probably need a hundred thousand to get infected. Uh, so, um, so it is about the, the volume of the virus and the volume of the virus, again, uh, when you're very close to somebody, uh, when you're talking at their face for 15 minutes, this is close contact, okay? Right. Now, when you're playing, you're not really talking. You're, as, as you said, uh, John, it's intermittent uh, outside. Um, again, it's, uh, the jury is out, but, but that's why, again, we are, with the testing regime, I think we are going to be catching a lot of the cases and isolating them. Uh, so, uh, so again, the playing outside, uh, uh, I would say it's even protective. Again, there's, uh, the, the, remember the, the four main sources of outbreaks are restaurants, uh, bars, uh, weddings, and uh, there was one other, some other events, yeah. uh, uh, churches, I think. Right. So, uh, so they're usually, again, close spaces, a lot of people crowded together. Uh, and uh, I, don't think there, I don't think we have had any documented cases of uh, people getting uh, the virus uh, just by walking outside and kind of uh, playing with somebody else outside. And we saw that when they you know, relaxed some of the regulations after the initial lockdown, that one of the first things they did was say, mask wearing, but not outside unless yeah. you can't maintain social distance. Yeah, there you are. There you are. All right. Um, and again, one more thing I wanted to uh, to add. Uh, and again, we are learning. Huh? So, uh, but so far the evidence shows that the among at least small kids, uh, the child-to-child -child transmission is relatively rare. Okay. Yeah. Those so statistics it, are still building in that direction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's uh, when. Uh, I, so just to be clear, that's why we might deal with elementary differently from what we do. Yeah, exactly, exactly, oh. exactly, exactly. And uh, when when you look at those uh, elementary school outbreaks that are documented somehow in the literature, uh, the child-to-child -child transmission is less than 5% of all the transmission that happened. Uh, the rest is mainly actually staff to staff. <laughs> yeah. 50, 60% was staff to staff transmission. Right, right. And that's, that, that's the whole adult dynamic, which, we, which we're well aware of, right? Um, question about uh, the hospital. And I know this is our six, seven list, yeah. which we've talked about before. Do you want to talk about that and clarify that? We talked about possibly putting a, a write-up together on this, that question six and seven, the hospital mass transit, 
um, some of the other things, um, high risk people. And again, that was close contact with high risk people, not just uh, general contact or distance contact. But do you want to talk about that section of the survey and how the algorithm treats it? Yeah, so um, the algorithm basically sums the uh, checkboxes in questions six and seven. And there are 10 checkboxes. There are 12, but two of them are none of the above. Uh, so they're not some, but so there are 10. And uh, if you answer, uh, uh, if you're a, a normal risk individual, uh, so you don't have any underlying medical conditions, etc. You uh, would be red flagged if you check nine or ten of these today. Okay, mm -hmm. we may be changing the threshold because there is a machine learning algorithm built in, which kind of looks at the the the, the history of these uh, of these uh, thresholds and then uh, uh, what was the situation with the, with the local infections and also we are looking at the outside world. So when, for example, in the outside world where we would be seeing a significant increase in the number of cases, we would be reducing this threshold. But today it's nine or 10. And then for the higher risk individuals, it's uh, uh, from seven and up. Uh, so by checking one of them, you don't get red flag, two of them you don't, et cetera, et cetera. So it's only the, uh, the, 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 the sum. The questions three, four, five, on the other hand, you, do, you would get uh, red flag. And today we are putting, again, we have already put in, this restriction that if you check uh, any of those three, you would be uh, red flag for 72 hours following this answer. So even if tomorrow you answer that you haven't, uh, you would still be uh, isolated for the following 48 hours. And then we're putting the same for the first two questions. So for the symptoms that if you put question, if you put fever today, you would automatically be isolated for 72 hours, even if tomorrow you put no fever. Right, and that's the key, right? And, and similarly, the, the converse is true too. If you put a fever the next day, the second day, it that extends out next and, and again. So three, it's really hours of the first day. symptoms to be resolved before that 72 hour clock in. Exactly. clicks that exactly. will be okay for school. Exactly. Got it. Um, uh, taking off the mass. Um, Yun Min is asking about taking off mass mandatory at recess. No, I, I think we left it as kids could, at their own discretion, continue to wear their mask at recess. Again, there's mixed feelings between parents about, um, you know, aerobic activity and the, and the masks not being appropriate for that. Um, there's a system, I believe, for, you know, kind of keeping the masks uh, in a place that's safe so that kids aren't losing them at recess. Um, and so there's methodologies for dealing with that at recess, but kids who want to continue to wear their mask are allowed to. So uh, what we're trying to do is just avoid masks getting lost and dirty and in some cases wet because we are sometimes out when it's a little bit damp out there. Um, question, why do we decide to close middle school for one week? And actually it's only about four days and not two weeks. Um, COVID, 14 days, seven days. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? We, we've talked about this before, I know, but let's, let's get it out one more time. Yeah, so we have, uh, based on the, uh, on the two cases in middle school, it appears that the uh, individuals uh, uh, would have been already ill uh, last week, mm -hmm. most likely. Okay, right. uh, so uh, any cases that uh, would appear as a result of these two, at least, 
they uh, should all appear within two weeks of that time. And the two-week time frame would uh, approximate Monday. So wait, so we're actually backtracking back. Backtracking. When we Correct. thought that first exposure was, and then okay. counting the 14 from there, and doing our testing. Is there a domino effect here, or is it that because we're testing, we catch it, therefore we don't need to extend that time? Yeah, we don't need to extend that time because, again, there is... Uh, uh, the, the, even with uh, domino effect, uh, we would be catching, uh, so we had uh, Tuesday, so we will be almost a full week, okay? So again, with the median time of five days, and uh, uh, we would catch somebody. And again, if we catch somebody, mm -hmm. we continue with virtual learning. Yeah. Okay? Right. Well, so that's the point. So it's uh, so uh, again, we're coming back to population health. You know yeah. that uh, that's why we're testing the whole cohort, because that increases the probability of catching uh, anyone. Okay. Right. If we're testing some individuals or just the contacts, then we would be really shooting in the dark. Here, we actually know, because if we catch only one case, then we know there was more more community transmission, and then we continue in virtual. But if there is none. Then we are, you know, again, we are. Uh, the bubble's back intact. The bubble back, the bubble's back intact. <laughs> I, I one more mask here. Um, Arzu, I just caught your question in the chat stream in Zoom. We use masks and fold it and put it in our pocket where we go, where we're at outside, no risk areas. And then we use it again. How wrong is that? Is there a risk to having a mask in your pocket and then bringing it back out to wear it when you go into close contact situations? What, what's the standard on mask care and use, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I would not be that uh, concerned, you know, to be honest about uh, where you put the mask, etc. Uh, again, we we are uh, we are operating in a relatively safe bubble at school. So, uh, I think this one's more street and, and not necessarily more, school. Yeah. It's like, can I put it in my pocket and bring yeah. it out when I need to use it? And I'm I'm assuming the care is just you know 24 what 24 48 hours should be washed and should be washed exactly. So it's it's a cotton one, wash yeah. it in at least 60 degrees. Uh, uh, temperature water yeah. uh, uh, and that's it and uh, you know you can iron it also to even uh, further kind of uh, you know kill all the germs uh, so uh, but I, I I would not be concerned with putting it in your pocket okay got it um, there there's uh, the testers I, I know this has come up and and I wanted to just put it to you so that you could talk around it. And we, you've been great in providing a, a wonderful team of people that have been working at the school. Uh, the mom's writing um, two weeks ago, uh, we talked about the sample being in the nares. We described how it wasn't gonna go that deep, but the da her daughter was tested by an individual on the team and she complained that it got up to her eye. <laughs> And, 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 and I know we haven't, we really have had very good results with the kids because I've been out there like you observing all of this, but we do occasionally have that happen. And I, and, and I, I don't think, you know, there's nothing that's, no one's being hurt here, but occasionally it's a very sensitive area. Can you talk about that a little bit more and kind of where we're targeting and how we've done this for kids? Look, I mean, it's, uh, you know, this is manual work. So, 
uh, it's like with uh, uh, phlebotomy, you know, you go and take your blood in the lab and sometimes the nurse goes a bit uh, too deep and then it fractures the vein and you have to go to another vein. Uh, it's a little bit similar here, you know, uh, that you put it uh, a little bit inside, you feel, oh, there is still room. So then you go a bit deeper and in a small child, uh, you know, half a centimeter deeper already feels like you're up in the eye. Uh, so uh, you're not by the way i just want to make that <laughs> you're not exactly but again it's it's manual work and uh, and and sometimes uh, you know it's uh, it goes a little bit deeper and i can only apologize if there's uh, discomfort uh, but again there's nothing uh, nothing else than that uh, we are making uh, every uh, attempt possible to be as gentle as possible and at the same time as effective as possible in getting the samples yeah uh, but again, the anterior nair uh, sampling is effective. And again, we have already demonstrated it here in uh, the real world setting and we continue it. And if there is, again, if sometimes uh, somebody goes a little bit deeper, again, apologies, uh, it happens. There's no, nothing wrong with that. Uh, certainly, uh, there is, uh, it's not intentional. Certainly, there is no harm to the child. Yeah. Um, and uh, and again, ninety nine percent of the time uh, we are getting it uh, to the anterior nares. One person's reporting a bloody nose. Now I didn't receive any reports of any bloody noses in the hundreds of kids that I observed. I suppose it's still possible for a bloody nose. Yeah, as I was mentioning, yeah. it's possible to. There may be some irritation. There may be some allergic reaction also. Uh, there may be uh, just a plain, uh, you know, sneezing, which will cause uh, bloody nose, you know, uh, if somebody is sneezing very... after it's been treated, after, exactly. it might cause the bloody nose too. So, so it is possible. I mean, uh, uh, you know, so, so again, uh, I, I, I would not be uh, concerned. Mm -hmm. Again, it's like with phlebotomy, you get, uh, you know, you go, go a little bit deeper and you get a big, uh, a big bloody uh, uh, you know, uh, thing on your arm, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, same with the finger prick. Sometimes you know you go a little bit more, and then uh, the, there is a big, uh, uh, there is a big, uh, uh, you know, uh, infection happening even after a small finger prick. So again, it's uh, it is a procedure. It is non-invasive. Okay, yeah. uh, we 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 would not even qualify it as minimally invasive. It's non-invasive because there is no penetration of the skin or mucosa. But again, there may be uh, very rare instances of, uh, of a minor, minor uh, irritation uh, to the mucosa, which may cause, cause even some bleeding. Gotcha. Um, going back to flu shots really quickly, there's a question about adults, kids, ages. Mm -hmm. Are we really talking about, we're really talking about kids getting flu shots this year and down to what age do they now recommend? So uh, the flu shots are uh, the earliest, I think is six months. That's the earliest that is, uh, the flu shot is registered. But the nas intranasal vaccine is registered from two years until 18 years of age. Right. And this is the one that I would recommend you guys to, uh, to take. Uh, again, we would be happy to be offering this uh, this service at as the service at school. Uh, the kids are, uh, especially the younger kids. Uh, they have been shown in various uh, population uh, settings, 
as being responsible for about 70 up to 80% of transmission of the flu in a community, okay? So adults only responsible. For wow, that, that's a yeah. big number. It's a huge number, it's a huge number. So uh, you can look it up. Uh, the NHS has implemented this uh, universal vaccination program for kids of various ages across the last decade or so, uh, starting with uh, uh, this, uh, <clears throat> they call it uh, reception. Uh, so it's the four-year-olds uh, and then moving up to, I think by now it's 10-year-olds. And uh, they are doing it in schools with this intranasal school vaccine, intranasal vaccine. And uh, the first season that they introduced it, they only got about 30% of the reception kids uh, vaccinated, okay? So the four-year-olds. Right. The uh, uh, number of flu, of, uh, not of flu cases, but of uh, uh, GP consultations and uh, ER consultations related to flu dropped by 50%. Wow. In the entire community, not among kids, in the entire community. In the entire community. So by getting 30% of just one cohort of kids, they reduce the flu admissions to uh, uh, GPs and hospitals by 50%. So again, kids uh, uh, are an important vector, uh, as we call it, of the, of the seasonal flu. And since now, uh, since last year, uh, we have in Poland uh, the availability of the intranasal vaccine. And now, actually got it reimbursed for the three to five-year-olds. Wow. Yeah, so it's a, there's a 50% reimbursement for the three to five-year-olds. Uh, and uh, so uh, again, uh, highly recommended, uh, uh, obviously for adults as well. I mean, I'm, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, flu, flu is, a, is a nasty thing, you know? I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, sometimes even nastier than uh, than COVID, you know, in terms of the consequences, at least uh, we know much more about flu than we know about COVID and we know consequences can be nasty. Uh, so again, highly recommend uh, for kids, highly recommend for adults, um, uh, because again, uh, at least we will be eliminating more than half, because again, the flu vaccine is not perfect, but at least it works in about 50% of cases and it, it will reduce significantly uh, the, uh, the transmission. Great. And I'm a regular flu shot taker, so I'll stand up and say right Me now. Me too. I'm the first one always, and uh, and uh, my kids and uh, the grandparents, uh, everybody gets the flu shot. Uh, and to be honest, there was one season in the last uh, decade I have not gotten it, and I had uh, flu three times in that season, mm -hmm. including once that I ended up in a hospital because I was so dehydrated from the... Yeah, and that's not good. So... <laughs> so. All right, I'm going to run through a few questions here and try to catch up a little bit. Thank you all for being patient as I work my way down. And I know, like usual, administrators are in the chat stream and answering some of these as well. Um, but I want to address this question about, um, you know, when we take the kids and the siblings out for 72 hours and hybrid versus regular school. Um, for the 72 hours and for the short-term absences, we're not considering that hybrid. But what we've learned, and it's different for each division, is that we've got hybrid things set up for the kids that are currently studying from home. And so it's fairly easy to make many, many of those things available to you. It's just gonna be on a case by case basis and it's gonna be on a division by division protocol in terms of how we weave the kids who are out for these additional three days into those um, tools without going full virtual because full virtual has another 
uh, set of things wrapped around it to make it a cohesive program over preferably a three-week period of time that provides for some continuity of education. So just so you understand, we're thinking of this as in class, these absences that may be longer absences, uh, but not full hybrid school, and then the hybrid program, which will have iterative signups to continue in hybrid for an extended period of time. And we'll muster with you how that looks for you uh, and each individual grade level and age level that's most appropriate and, and recognizes the needs of the kids. And, and again, there's some virtual, some asynchronous, some synchronous activities. There's a mix depending upon the age levels across the board. So hopefully that'll help everybody kind of understand that and that we're working that to make sure that everybody's on track with it. Um, there's a, Dr. O, back to you again. There's a question about ibuprofen. Should not be used in the case of COVID? Yes, no? You're on mute somehow. <laughs> Sorry, the jury is out on ibuprofen, obviously, and there was uh, uh, there was a lot of discussion uh, back in April or so when the, the first wave were, was happening. <clears throat> you know, in general, and obviously, please always consult your your physician, but uh, for for uh, all medical uh, related advice, but. Uh, the the way I look at fever in general, so fever is a good thing, obviously. Okay, uh, so uh, we, uh, and the, the recommendation today uh, uh, is of the American Pediatric Association is to, uh, and the European as well, by the way, is uh, to not uh, give any uh, 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 fever reducing medicines until about 38.5 degrees centigrade. Okay, okay. 38.5 in kids, okay. Uh, even sometimes uh, we are talking about 38.9, but I would say, okay, 38.5. And by the way, you know, for adults, uh, it, I, I would say it's the same, uh, but I know how difficult it is to stand even 37.3 for adults. At least I know <laughs> for me, it's very exactly. <laughs> I'm dying at 37.3. Uh, but uh, again, for the the the, uh, the the body is fighting the infection with fever. So fever is generally a, a, a good thing. It's a good reaction. Uh, it's a good reaction of the organism. Uh, so until it becomes again, until it becomes uh, a potential source of dehydration, until it becomes a potential source of uh, uh, you know uh, other consequences, too high of a fever. Uh, uh, you know, we should not use it. And uh, so 38.5. Secondly, uh, uh, probably best to use suppositories rather than uh, ingested uh, because rather than oral, because uh, obviously <laughs> the suppositories will act faster and will have a less irrit irritation effect on the uh, uh, gastrointestinal tract mucosa. Uh, which is very often uh, one of the key complications of, of taking uh, any anti-inflammatory drugs, uh, which is irritation of the gastrointestinal mucosa, and then they go into diarrhea or vomiting and other things. Which, by the way, are also COVID symptoms. Also COVID symptoms. 
So, you know, this is where it gets kind of very complicated for parents out there. I know it's hard. To really Again, always consult your, your physician. Yeah. I will be also obviously monitoring any new uh, data in terms of uh, paracetamol versus ibuprofen versus other NSAIDs, and I will be keeping you up to date. Uh, but again, always best to consult your physician and do not overuse. Got it. Um, we got one more question on close contact. And Amy, I want to answer this question because um, it's, that, it's that number four question, I think it is, where I've had close contact with somebody who diagnosed COVID-19 positive. This is, again, coming back to your definition of close contact. Correct. So if you're if you're contacted by somebody that you were exposed to somebody with COVID-19, you still have to make that judgment call on whether it was close contact. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and again, this is your definition. It's the without mass 15 minutes within the 1.5 meters. Correct. Okay. So I hope that helps, Amy. I know that that's a little bit of a judgment call, and this is for all parents out there, that that, that question is couched as close contact. And so it really is about uh, family members or individuals that you spent significant time with in one of these settings where you couldn't socially distance and masks were not worn and, and it was a, a, a specified period of time beyond five, 15 minutes. And that's a judgment call on the part of parent uh, but, you know, it's one you actually have to tick the box. And yes, it will tick you at that point as not okay for school. Now, will that one carry the 72 hours as well, Dr. O? Yeah, it will. Okay, so that'll, that'll tag right in there with symptoms in terms of 72 hours retest and come back. Although there's no symptoms to resolve there, obviously. There's no symptoms to resolve, but then we are waiting again for the observing virus. Yeah, to become uh, to become uh, uh, detectable, uh, and then again we may be altering this protocol because if there if there is because you know for family members for example uh, with a confirmed case within a family then we do a full quarantine okay so it's not so it's a full quarantine yeah. uh, but then again for for close contacts let's say uh, then uh, you know I would say three days. And we may, we may be thinking about extending it uh, based on discussion with the affected individual. Uh, because again, there is a lot of uh, judgment call, as you say, John, in that. Because the, uh, you know, if, if you feel uh, that it was really close contact and you still test negative, then we would say, okay, fine. Uh, come back in three days, isolate still for three days. Because uh, if you really feel this was close contact, then but better be safe and stay home. Right, and that and that's again the judgment call. But what, what we're hearing is what parents are getting is they get a phone call from somebody who says, I just found out that so-and-so was at this gathering. They were positive and we're calling to inform you. Yeah. And, yeah. But then it's gotta be that second piece of, you know, judging whether that was close contact and what happened in that setting, but probably better to be safe than sorry and tick the box yeah, and take the 72 hours and observe for symptoms. The um, there is a question here about centipede and how we're interacting with authorities. And I know you have a good relationship with centipede. You guys have been talking to them and we've talked about this before about our protocol 
meets or exceeds their standards for follow-up to a case, we're actually exceeding because we're going well beyond contact tracing in terms of retesting populations. But do you want to address that really quickly? Well, uh, it's uh, we are uh, uh, as, as soon as we have a case and it is confirmed by PCR, uh, then uh, we inform Sanapid and we wait for uh, recommendations from Sanapid. At the same time, we inform them what we have been doing uh, because that's uh, we're not leaving it to them to to kind of make the judgment call. But we're saying, okay, here is in terms of the school community, here is what we have done. And obviously we have done it uh, uh, for the cases that have been uh, detected now. We have not heard anything uh, back from them. We have informed them what we are doing. Uh, so uh, we will see uh, kind of in the next couple of days how these discussions will be uh, evolving. Got it. All right, um, there's some questions about tech and deployment of equipment. Yeah, you're gonna have to work with those teams and they'll get it to you as quickly as they can, but it does take time um, to put more of those things into play. Um, so, and to answer the question about tracking kids, yes, we just announced we're tightening up that and tightening up uh, siblings in that regard. And so any siblings gonna trigger the other siblings and we'll get that sorted. Um, we are going to tie down to the app more tightly. We've talked about that. Um, there is, there's a question about recess. There's limited mixing at recess. I think um, there's really only two grade levels, disparate age levels that are out at recess at the same time, but they're all within the same cohort. So again, we're minimizing the mixing as, as best we can. And really quite because of areas of the playground, it's pretty good in terms of the separation. Um, Let's see. I'm just going to kind of, I'm scanning down here because I want to try yeah. to grab any questions that are coming up. I'm trying not to do repeats here. Um, if child's doing hybrid learning, do they still need to go to school for testing? No. Uh, we're having hybrid families take care of themselves at home. It's only when you make a decision to transition your child from hybrid to regular learning that at that point we would ask you to schedule an appointment to come in and test before you would be allowed to enter into the population. Uh, let's see. Yep, and I agree, Amy. We really need to be taking the survey seriously and be doing. Uh, and that question about wristbands, they're going to start to appear tomorrow, actually. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, uh, test grade levels, rolling it out incrementally. I think tomorrow and Friday we'll get quite a few of them into people's hands. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, this kind of aborted or slowed down our process, what we were dealing with the last couple of days. Otherwise, we would have started doing that, I think, uh, a couple of days ago. But uh, we're going to start tomorrow with a, a selected couple of grade levels to start testing. And then we'll uh, work our way to um, uh, the rest of the grade levels and get it all completed by probably Monday. We'll be able to, Tuesday at the latest in order to get middle school. Okay. Um, I, you know, there's still a few questions woven through here about bad experiences with testing, and we are trying to do our best to keep resolving this. It is the least invasive option that's out there. We're hopeful saliva tests are going to come. You know, I mean, I know we just saw an article FDA approve the first one. We'll make the switch as soon as we as soon as we have the opportunity to. Um, 
and again, we're learning more and more with kids as we do this process, it's getting easier and easier. I've observed for hours at a time and I've seen no problem. Um, so the ones that are being reported here, uh, talk to us, we'll try to figure out how to make it work. If a parent needs to come with a child to be tested because there's some developing fear here, uh, we'll arrange that and we can do some scheduling for that. Um, all the people know how to collect the samples. Again, it's just selected cases amongst a set of hundreds of cases where, you know, that small degree of difference is probably causing it. Um, I'm, I'm still scanning here, people. Just give me a second. Um, virtual learning the rest of the week, is that possible? That's between, uh, that's up to you. If you decide to stay home uh, for any reason, we're gonna respect that. Uh, we have since the beginning. Uh, we're being flexible on absences, as I've told you in each of our sessions together. So parents, please don't be worried about that. You have to make your choices. We're holding steady, good attendance. Uh, we have moved a few more people into hybrid. Again, hybrid is a longer commitment that we want people to make because we want that consistency and that practice. But again, um, check, check with us and, and uh, we'll work it with you in some form or fashion. Um, I'm seeing just comments here, not so much questions. So I'm gonna scan more quickly down. Um, is the app already tackling the whole household or just one parent? I think we have both parents. Yeah, both parents, yeah. Yeah, so we did load both parents. So dads, if you haven't, or moms, if you haven't, because the other parent did, um, you can still get on and you, you just don't wanna do your child survey both at the same time. <laughs> we talked about that, I think last week. Yeah. It's like both are in there, but we just don't want you both in doing the survey at the same time because that, that will probably mess things up a bit. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll actually probably trigger it, so it won't. It won't. I think work. it shouldn't. Yeah, I think it'll it create an error. Uh, hybrid learners again. We're not testing hybrid learners. Hybrid learners. Once you decide to return to school, you retest at school before you're admitted back to class, and uh, and that's been pretty clear since the beginning. Uh, protocol to join hybrid is the reverse. You contact the divisional office, you declare that your child's going to join hybrid. We kind of define the period of time, we change the record, and then it's about a day for the teacher to wrap the kids into the hybrid group so that they're connecting and communicating to each other. And again, it varies by age level and varies by division. Uh, let's see. The three COVID cases that we have right now, let me think. One is definitely confirmed PCR. The other one is in process, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other, again, you know, from, from recent two from yesterday, we're waiting on results. Yeah. But, but we believe we've got a positive. I mean, there's no, no doubt. I mean, so so the, the, the antigen test that we're using, they do not basically show false positives. Right. Okay. So uh, if if it is a if it is a positive, it's uh, again there, there's no better test. There will be false positive with PCR, but not with the antigen test. So um, 
So that's why we are doing them because this is the prudent thing to do. And then uh, we have the full reporting then to Sanepid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, normally we assume this is you know 100% confirmed. Got it. Um, duh, duh, duh. So the 72 hours excluded, that's on families. And, and we probably should reinforce that if you've got symptoms and you're 72 hours excluded, you should be isolating, right? Exactly. I mean, we, we would, this is part of what I tried to make a point about in my, in my e-notes tonight, is that that 72 hours, either because you were exposed or because of symptoms, you should be locking down. So the kids shouldn't be out playing with others. Correct. Family should be. This should be like April all over again. You you yeah. guys are, are 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 locked down until you know. Um, Heike, I'm sorry. The wristbands I've written about multiple times, and I'll probably have to put something more out about this. But these are wristbands that check students right at the entrance to the school. They swipe them and it checks the record against okay for school. And if any kids are flagged either by that or their temperature, then we're referring them to healthcare to follow up and find out why they're excluded. We had been soft on that because we were dealing with data issues with okay for school. We were still checking, but manually on lists. And we were double checking against testing results and a few other things, but we think we've got most of that sorted out now. And so, you know, really within the next couple of days, we're really going to start locking down and the wristbands will help us in that process and make it more seamless and smooth and less reliance on us going through lists to check um, either at the door or at the point where they first uh, get to the classroom. So again, we're, we're getting there on that. And again, you're getting notification through the app. So in most cases, if there was a notification to the app, it, you know, they weren't coming to school either. And we were having interaction with parents to resolve any remaining issues. Uh, does it mean that they have to be tested Monday morning for Yes. So there was a question about my, I've kept my kids home till the end of the week. No problem. Uh, they were supposed to be tested on Friday, which they obviously won't because they won't be here we will test them on Monday. So in these cases, please contact us at aswhealth at aswarsaw.org and we'll make sure that we have you on our list for first thing Monday morning. And you'll need to be tested there and wait for results before we readmit you back to classrooms. Um, So the question about high probability of the situation further deteriorating in the next few months. Should... um, fully in virtual environment become an option for families rather than the hybrid, which is an interim imperfect? No, we don't see the hybrid as, as imperfect. Um, and, and, and certainly we're thinking about virtual options, but that's a school decision to go to virtual and for any period of time. So again, we're going to maintain our position that the school makes a decision to go to virtual. Families can make decisions to go to hybrid Um, or be out for shorter term absences or respond to app requirements. And that's where we're gonna stay for the time being. Again, as I said earlier, until we see numbers relative to these programs. So um, right now we're only seeing, you know, between six and 10% in our hybrid learning program. That's not enough for us to shift to a virtual component. And uh, while we're looking at it, it's just not something we're planning on at this point. Um, maybe a difficult question here. And again, I would seek medical 
uh, doctor opinion, but daughter is immunosuppression therapy. Can, well, this is, can they stay on hybrid? You'll need to talk to us, Thomas. And yes, hybrid can be extended for, again, selected increased periods of time. So hybrid can continue and we'll talk with you about that directly. So you just get in touch with us. Um, so now at the point where we put badges, if they're not, if someone is not filling out the app, we're no longer going to admit them to school. So, and that's, and we've taken away the grace period now too, right, Dr. O? Yes. So you can't miss a day. If you miss a day, you're going to be out for that day. Now, if they do the survey the next day, they can be back in that day, assuming testing is valid. Yeah. So it's not like symptoms. It's not going to take them out for 72 hours. No, 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 no. Just okay. for the day that they didn't fill out the app. Um, Poland and antigen tests not used because there's no validation on the Polish market. Is that true? I don't think that's accurate, is it? Uh, uh, it's not accurate. It's, uh, the, the test has a CEIVD certificate, uh, so it is approved you know, for use in uh, all EU countries. Uh, it has also an EUA FDA certificate, so it is used in the, uh, in the US as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a widely used, and again, uh, uh, as, as we are mentioning, uh, and I had a lot of questions offline from parents asking, okay, which test is it? Is it approved for uh, asymptomatic screening? As I mentioned, there is no test today approved for asymptomatic screening because it's impossible to test it for asymptomatic screening because we don't know whether somebody is asymptomatic. Right. So we are uh, uh, extending, we are taking a, a, a medical decision in a way uh, by using the test for uh, a situation that it, is, it has not been tested for. Yeah? Because we believe, okay, uh, based on the science that exists, meaning uh, you have to have a certain level of the virus to become infectious, mm -hmm. the frequency, Trump sensitivity, etc., etc. Uh, we are using the test in the best possible way, proven scientifically way, uh, to uh, reduce the risk of uh, uh, disease happening and reduce the risk of transmission, which again, so far, it has shown to be working. And it's not, when we say it's not, it's not been proven, that's because it's not broad-based studies of hundreds of thousands of people in a it's population. Exactly. All being tested for a period of time to find out if anybody gets sick and then determine if it was pre-symptomatic. Yeah. That being said, there is a body of data that supports that these Absolutely. tests do a asymptomatic fine infections. Absolutely. Just that it can't be proven because there's never a population. Based. There's never a population study. There's never a trial that would prove it. But again, there's real world evidence. And that's what we are basing uh, the, the system on, real world evidence that this is working. And we have already our own real world evidence in the last couple of days as well, uh, which is further strengthening the, uh, the approach that, uh, that we are taking. Yeah. There's a comment about mass and hope that we can reduce mass. I think that's probably a little bit further off now before we'd even talk about <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. But the statement that's made is, is block social interaction. I have to tell a funny story of walking down the hallway today and having a second grade student 
use his eyes to communicate in this amazing way. So he was like winking at me and he was rolling his eyes around. And it was like he was experimenting with expressing to me through his eyes. And we just had a good time because I started doing it back to him too. And I was kind of winking at him. <laughs> and it was just, it, it was clear that they were already learning about how the eyes can be just as effective a communicator. And, and, and I haven't seen any evidence that there's a barrier to social interaction on the basis of us wearing masks. In fact, quite the contrary. It seems to help people to listen better because they have to listen a little bit closer. Um, people are pausing, um, you know, noise levels are down. I wouldn't have never done it just to decrease noise levels, but hey, I'll take the benefit, right? Um, and, and, and kids are looking each other in the eyes and, and communicating more in that way. So there's actually a kind of a side benefit going on here. And I just had to tell that story because that kid was just, his eyes, he was just so full of joy <laughs> and the way that he was expressing to me. And, and it, was, it was just fun. Um, grade three is back tomorrow. I think Mr. Fladger already confirmed that. Uh, grade seven at virtual school. Um, any specific questions, parents, about specific days and appointments? ASW Health, please write me at aswhealth at aswarsaw.org and I will handle it there. Um, if, okay, so um, the question, this is for me again, and it's logistics. If the student does not show up, does not fill out the app, what happens then? We're doing follow-up. We always have had a practice of following up on any absence, but we're probably gonna expand our questioning to determine why the absence. And again, we have a potential then to flag that ourselves as an exclusion for that 72 hour period of time if we understand that there are things. But again, if they're not filling out the app, they won't be able to come back to school until they do. So that's the protective factor. So even if we don't hear from the family or don't talk to them and they're out of school and they're not filling out the app, it's not going to be a problem because they won't be, a they won't be able to come back to school. Um, Malerzada, no, that's not correct, not the five days, because again, we're not doing diagnostic, we're doing population health. And I, I just say that real quickly because I know we've already answered that. Uh, yes, instructions on bracelets will come with the cohorts and we'll also uh, send them to you. It's a very nice bracelet with a nice logo on it. And so it could be worn all day like a watch. It's very easy, it's waterproof. Everything is good for that. Um, second grader with a sibling in middle school is fine to come back to school tomorrow. Yes, yep. we are not concerned about sibling spread at this point because we've contained it. Yes. The middle school is about precaution and we're not concerned about secondary spread, right? Yep, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Um, students who had siblings in middle school stay at home? No, Lauren, we are not excluding students who have siblings in middle school, okay? Um, Again, the specific questions, we're talking to families. These kinds of things are getting into kind of really deep into the weeds. I can deal with that and we will be paying closer attention to that. So anything about um, 
Another a sibling showing up again. We're not as concerned about siblings until we have verified transmission. So we are going to be able to manage that, and I think we're going to do well. Okay, I'm done with the questions on the stream here. As far as I can see, um, I have, I guess, not much else, Doctor. Oh, can you think of anything else? I mean, we've covered it all here. <laughs> I think we covered a lot. And I'm sure there will be more things uh, and more questions coming next week. And I'm, I'm again, very happy to rejoin next week uh, as needed. I feel part of the part of the family now, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I will be again. I was I was a bit. Uh, I was trying to get some holiday in the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, so I was out. But now I'm since today I'm back, so I'm I will be visiting you guys uh, quite frequently. So, and that was great. It was so great to see you there today. And I know a lot of the families you got a chance to talk to at least a few yeah. of them as they were lined up outside, and that was tremendous to us and you you were a yeoman i mean if you were on vacation i didn't even know you were on vacation because you were on my back <laughs> yeah. and call the entire time and so that's true partnership when you take time out of your vacation which i know i do too so i have i can't call the kettle black here but uh, but you, you were so responsive to us throughout this whole time so thank you so much for that um parents the rest goes into aswhealth at aswarsaw.org um, anything else, please shoot it there uh, and we'll follow up on that. Um, I'm always available to you for your questions and I'll do my best to get responses to you in short order. I want to thank you all for being with us tonight. As always, uh, we really enjoy this time together. I'll keep these going so that we can keep working together. Ooh, we broke a hundred tonight, Dr. Oh, oh I didn't catch the I was going to ask how many, how many we have. But that's great. <laughs> So excited to hear about that. And, and again, thanks very much, Dr. O. Thanks to administrators who are answering questions in the stream. I appreciate you your collaboration. Uh, to everyone who joined us tonight, uh, thank you one and all. And again, warriors together, partnership forever. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. And we'll be back at you next week. Dr. O, I'm going video off. Thank you. <laughs>